Valodaharius. Daharius. Daharius. Yeah, scary dude, Valodaharius. I, I don't know. Fucking sue me. Valodaharius, are you Aquarius? <laughs> Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George Armatet, a Song of Ice and Fire series, starting and almost done with A Game of Thrones. As usual, I'm Zach, sitting here next to me, not at all once again happy with my shenanigans, my brother Nate. You don't have to edit these things. So when you pause way too long, it's unnecessary. Unnecessary. Unnes- don't don't mock me. Unnecessary. <laughs> and you're you draw things out. You draw out things so long. I'm like I'm all like bobbing along, and then I go from like George R R. Like fuck you, man. Just spit it the fuck out. Jesus Christ. If you joined us last episode, <laughs> we were reading. Catelyn. Catelyn 8. 8. Yeah. All right. Catelyn has rejoined her son, Rob Which I think is very cool um, because I feel as though the timeline is, you know, very easy to tell at this point because of Tyrion's chapter that we're going to read. Mm. But, yeah, so Catelyn arrived at Moat Catelyn where she... Met with her son, finally. Yeah. And she gave him some great advice, essentially. Learned of his battle plans to to attack Tywin and then figured out a nice well, little... Well, she was testing him, seeing how much he knew, seeing if he was fit to lead and all this. He's 15, so she was basically dealing with the fact that her 15-year-old son is leading a host of war. So she wanted to really make sure he was ready. And the plan he... With her assistance proposed, came Proposed, yeah, was pretty pretty smart. and And so... That was what was decided as far as the Northern Armies, and then Catelyn had decided that she would not be returning to Winterfell. She would be going to River Run with Rob because she yes. wanted to see her father and her brother. So that was where we left Catelyn. And so this episode we'll be reading Tyrion 7, and it's going to be really cool because these, these last few chapters have been in fairly quick succession, and so to get the Lannister forces finally... And seeing what their plan is and what they're doing is going to be. So last time we saw Tyrion, Tyrion was in the mountains of the Vale, the mountains of the moon, yeah. uh, by the Vale of Arryn. And he had, him and Bronn had run into some clansmen, and Tyrion was trying to talk his way out by offering them gold and lands and titles and eventually the Vale of Arryn itself. Shit that they did not want initially, but then, yeah, he got to the Vale. And so with promises of steel and armor enough to equip them to be able to be a serious threat to the Knights of the Vale... Uh, apparently, they joined him because as we pick up with this Tyrion 7, we learn that Chela, daughter of Cheyek of the Black Ears, had gone ahead to scout, and it is she who brought back word of the army at the crossroads. And, yeah, so sh- from her best guess, there's they're about 20,000 strong, which, as we heard from both Rob and Will Learn, you know, is accurate. Mm. It's a good number. And... They're flying a red banner with gold lions. Yeah. And so we know immediately who those forces are. If you don't, then I don't know 
if this this must be your first episode listening. Bron clarifies. He he asks your father and Jamie. Uh, Tyrion says him or Jamie. It could be either one. And he says we'll know soon enough. So yeah, at this point we we get that yeah the the and obviously we're full spoiler reread, so we know already. But the clansmen have decided to ride with Tyrion and have escorted him and Bron south quite a ways at this yeah. point. Or yeah, south. It's still a decent way. No, it's west. It's just west, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think maybe so. down the mountain. You got the book with the the map. The map yeah, I kind of want to know now. Well, because yeah, it's the the crossroads, and so it only goes four ways, and they're coming from the uh, the Vale of Aaron. The Vale, which is Bam. Oh, there's the Vale. Sorry, we're looking at the map. Like we should know this anyway, but the Red Fork. Yeah, so the right Green there. Fork is where. Tywin is. The Green Fork. Yeah, so up there. Yeah, so he, they were heading west Where, down okay. from the view. I anyway, was correct. I can say, or you can cut it, whatever. Yeah, so they were heading west, They and they have made it to, we know, Tywin's camp now at this point. And yeah. so Tyrion surveys his little band of brigands here, the yeah. near 300 Stone Crows, Moon Brothers, Black Ears, and Burned Men, with Gunthor, son of Gurn, Raising the other clans, even now, so more we're going to be adding on top to this of force. the the three hundred he's already raised. Yeah, and so he says that it's maybe it's a good idea if I head down there first by myself, which isn't a bad suggestion technically to sane people. You all look crazy. Let me ride down to the people that know me and explain, and then we'll bring you in. Yeah, because he's wondering what his father's going to think right. of these clansmen, and he... and they're like the clan. So the clansmen are like, "Fuck that, no." We don't trust you. Yeah. We're going with you, and that's fucking that. Uh, Shaga, especially, immediately says, no, I'm going. You're you're not getting rid of me. Yeah, he calls him boy man. He says, boy if man. boy man lies, I'll chop off his manhood and feed it to goats. And Tyrion gives his word as a Lannister that he would not betray them. But Chella says, why should we trust your word? Lord, uh, lowland lords have lied to the clans before, and Tyrion says, Why, you wound me, Chella. I thought we had become such friends. But as you will, you, Shaga Khan, Ulf, and Timit shall ride with me. The rest of you will wait here. So he's taking a leader from each one of the clans exactly. along with him. And with that, he just turns and starts to ride away. Yeah. And we, as this occurs, we start just getting some backstory on the, the clans themselves. Mm. I only noted down the one that I really like the most, which I think is what most people like, and that's Timmit, son of Timmit. And he's a burning hand. Uh, is it a burning hand? Burning man. A red burning hand, man. sorry. He was a red hand uh, yeah. of the burning men. Yeah. Uh, burned men. And so he... The burned men essentially have to, when they reach manhood, d- sacrifice something to the fire, to flame, to that. Uh, so it's kind of very Red, Red Gods-influenced. Um, and so usually maybe a finger or, you know, a toe or some little extremity. Crazy men are known to do an ear. Fucking Timmet just stabs his eye with a fucking burning knife. Yeah. And so he was named a burned, burning hand, a red hand. A red hand. Which is essentially like the tribe leader. Yeah. You know, just because it's you're the, you're the craziest motherfucker among us, and we don't want to fuck with you. Pretty much. And so it's 
Timid son of Timid is pretty badass. Did you write any of the other clans? In I I or? did, but like mainly what I thought it was interesting was that Tyr- a Tyrion just rides off, leaving them because he doesn't want to leave them with the choice. He doesn't want to leave them to discuss it because yeah. he thinks that the clans had an absurd notion that every man's voice be heard in council, which I think is as far as this reread, we've kind of been looking at Tyrion in the light of a villain. The absurd notion of democracy, yeah, essentially, is exactly. what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. And he says that they argue about everything endlessly. They, Unless they all can agree on something, they don't do it. And so whether or not to take all the clansmen with them down to meet Tywin or not would take an argument that Ty- Tyrion doesn't have time for. So that's why he just wanders off. And then, yeah, he thinks that uh, with all the d- description of the Timit and everything like that, that Bronn, uh, Tyrion, leans over and says, I wonder what the burnt men's king had to burn off yeah, to become yeah. king. And Bronn kind of just grabs his junk. and, But it says that even Bronn was kind of quiet around Timmy. The, 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 yeah, around yeah, Timmy. Yeah, he respected like, this man. Yeah, he's a prowess in being crazy and killing. So at this point, we get that watchers are peering down at them from stone towers as they make their way through these foothills, and a low earthen wall had closed off the road with about a dozen crossbow men manning the heights. So Tyrion halts his followers and out of range of the arrows. Intelligently approaches by himself. And rode alone and asks, who commands here? And the captain was quick to appear, and then even quicker to give them an escort when he recognized his lord's son. Yeah, because, uh, again, full spoiler, but for those who don't know, he most people think he's fucking dead. Yeah. He was either up in the, the care of Aaron and captive, mm. likely thrown out the moon gate, moon door, and or he was coming through the clan, south, the, the mountains and there, died and, there, and people the can't, don't survive that. Yeah, and no. so... Yeah, no, everyone's pretty shocked when he when Tyrion shows up. Uh, so as they they're they're given passage and escort, they trot past blackened fields and burned holdfasts to the green fork of the Trident. And Tyrion sees that there are no bodies, but the air is full of ravens and carrion crows. And there was fighting here recently. And so as they arrive at camp, a party of mounted horsemen ride forth to challenge them. And Tyrion recognizes the knight leading them. He's got a unicorn sigil as Sir Flemet Brax, which I hate this fucking name. I just he sat, like it just sounds like an industrial cleaner or something. Flemet Brax. Put a little fucking Brax on it, and you'll get that stain <laughs> right. So off. yeah, so Sir Flemet raises his visor in astonishment. He's yeah. just shocked as shit to see Tyrion, um, telling, and he tells him that we all thought you were dead, sir. And then he asks about Tyrion's group that he's brought along yeah. with him. And uh, I lost my train of thought. He Sorry. calls them bosom yeah, friends he's and a, loyal compatriots. Loyal retainers. Loyal retainers. And, uh, yeah, so. He asks, then, where will I find my lord father? Exactly. And he, we, we learn that Tywin has taken the inn at the crossroads for his quarters, and Tyrion laughs. The inn at the crossroads. Perhaps the gods were just after all. And so that, I think, is relatively significant that Tyrion, uh, Tywin has literally seated himself sort of at this symbolic place of choice of decisions being made right and right now we're and commanding it like he's completely taken it over because we learned as they trotted up that all the holdfasts and the fields were all burned yeah and there's nothing left of Tyrion these. noticed that there weren't any bodies 
that, uh, yeah, it had just been burned. And so then to come up on the inn and his father's controlling this major focal point, which we went big into when Tyrion was here, when he was captured by Catelyn, which, again, on top of all the significant events that happened here, just a crossroads in general has that significant well this is also i mean this is very much so a crossroads for tywin because he underestimates rob stark absolutely this is when whispering Mm -hmm. wood happens and we capture jamie lannister for the the northern side and so this is the lannister's own little crossroads here too but yeah no it's i think it's definitely significant that tywin is making this his seat of command this place of choices and decisions So Tyrion says that he will see his father at once, and so Sir Flemet shouts some commands and lets Tyrion and his men pass through, and we get that Lord Tywin's camps had spread over leagues, and Chella's estimate of 20,000 couldn't be that far off. So common men camped out in the open while the knights had thrown up tents, and some high lords had erected pavilions large as houses, and Tyrion sees the... uh, some, the, oh, the red ox of the Presters, Lord Craighall's brindled boar, the burning tree of Marbrand, the badger of Linen, and different knights call out to him as they as he pass, some laughing, some actually in astonishment. and Gaping openly at the clansmen. Yeah, there. and Chaga was gaping, gaping right back. Right back. Yeah. And Tyrion noted that uh, it's good that the clansmen are seeing these men, because like, the clansmen are just as impressed by the number and the how well armored, well, yeah. well, uh, you the know, horses, armed they yeah, are, everything. just everything. And so the fact that they're so impressive will show that the Lannisters can back up what he had made mm-hmm. these claims over, and so that'll help in commanding them. Yeah, make them a little easier to command. And so they pull into the inn stables, where Tyrion kind of just realizes that that for the most part hasn't changed compared to the last time he's been here. Granted, everything around is burned. Yeah, the rest of the village is just decimated. There's yeah. nothing left. And so we learn that a gibbet had been erected in the yard, which is a, a gallows. Yeah. And a body swung, covered with ravens, the birds flying off as Tyrion approaches. And he dismounts and glanced up to what remained of the corpse. The, bird had, the birds had eaten her lips, her eyes, and most of her cheeks, but it bared her stained red teeth in a hideous smile. And we, this is Marsha Heddle, who we learn quite, frequ- uh, quite a lot about in Catelyn's chapter originally, that she runs the inn at the crossroad she has for a long, long time. That hideous red smile actually used to terrify Catelyn, and then she's continuing. We met, met her Again, during the Tyrion When she wasn't Catelyn. quite as pleasant as Cat had remembered, which made sense. Yeah, and so Tyrion kind of dejectedly says a room a meal and a flagon of wine that was all i asked it says he reminded her with a sigh of reproach like you damn fool it's and so shaga doesn't want to give up his horse to the stable boy he starts getting pissed yeah he thinks that they're gonna steal him but Tyrion assures him that the horse won't be harmed or stolen they're just gonna feed him and groom him and all that so two guards in crimson cloaks and lion crested helms stood at either side of the door to the inn and Tyrion asks for his father and is told that he is in the common room. And it says that he entered the inn and there was father. And now Nate's going to read the Yeah, I'm just going to read the description of Tywin because it's so damn good. We need to, we just need to hear it. Tywin Lannister, Lord of Casterly Rock and Warden of the West, was in his middle fifties, yet hard as a man of twenty. Even seated, he was tall, with long legs, 
broad shoulders and a flat stomach. His thin arms were corded with muscle. When his once thick golden hair had begun to recede, he had commanded his barber to shave his head. Lord Tywin did not believe in half measures. He razored his lip and chin as well, but kept his side whiskers, two great thickets of wiry golden hair that covered most of his cheeks from ear to jaw. His eyes were a pale green, flecked with gold. A fool more foolish than most had once jested that even Lord Tywin's shit was flecked with gold. Some said the man was still alive, deep in the bowels of Casterly Rock. I don't think he's alive. Nor do I. But that is Lord Tywin fucking Lannister, who we've heard so much Mm. about at this point. And seated next to him at the table is Sir Kevin Lannister. Now, I described Sir Kevin Lannister as Fat Tywin. Um, Wow. Basically, he's a portly version. He's got the same, you know, he's balding, a little bit of hair, but he also has the same sideburns on his cheeks. Yeah. I like Kevin. Yeah. I really like Kevin. His father's only surviving brother, and they were sharing a flagon of ale as Tyrion enters, and Kevin is the one who sees Tyrion first, and he looks up and says, Tyrion, in surprise. And Tyrion bows, saying, Uncle and my lord father, what a pleasure to find you here. And Tywin does not stir, but gives Tyrion a long, searching look. So before you say this... Motherfucker, what a greatest first line from anybody I've ever seen in a book fucking series. I see the rumors of your demise were unfounded. And Tyrion says, I'm sorry to disappoint you, father. There's no need to jump up and embrace me. We wouldn't want you to strain yourself. So, immediately, and and I don't remember where I've heard it, but there was something went back when I was dabbling in my own personal writing that I read for like an author's tip was that if you ever really want to learn who your character is, put them in a room with their parents because that's when you can see a lot about who a character is. And so, and and we get tons more here in a minute, but I just kind of wanted to draw attention to it where Tywin's first concern, there is no concern. There is no surprise. There is no shock. This is a new, just a new development for him. Yeah. So One, I had heard you were dead. That was untrue. I didn't necessarily buy into the rumor. I, I wasn't presented fact. So it could have happened. It could have not. So clearly it didn't. And Tyrion immediately go. It was ex- was expecting a, a hug. Uh, oh, I'm glad to see you alive. Even though Tyrion is what like 25, 26, 27 at this point. Twenty Tyrion knows. Tywin isn't that going to do yeah. it, but he still is hoping for it, hoping right. that there's going to be this change. And but actually, I'm glad you mentioned it, because I'll draw attention to that same topic here in a minute as well. And so, yeah, so Tyrion crosses over to the table where they are. They are. This is that moment. <laughs> and he becomes acutely conscious of the way his stunted legs made him waddle. Whenever his father's eyes were on him, he became uncomfortably aware of all his deformities and shortcomings. So, and I feel like this is a big part of why it's okay to empathize with Tyrion, even if he is the villain, is he was mistreated. I mean, granted, he's got his fucking entitled sense of belief, but with with regards to how he's... uh a villain or will be a villain in our opinion um he 
he was led there, you know. He didn't. He wasn't always. He's not a bad. And that's how Martin writes: gray, not black and white. But he, because he's so, so fucked up and tormented by his father, he does get driven to these. These democracy is bad. Like, well, that's and, it. Because like we're getting this from Tyrion's point of view, but I a hundred percent imagine that Tywin is just sitting there, his eyes not leaving Tyrion as he walks across, and just a look of disdain. And I wouldn't put it past Tywin to, in his head, be like, look at the way he fucking waddles around exactly. with that Lannister name on him. Like, well, and so it, it, I wouldn't – this is probably accurate. His, him feeling this way is probably truthful because he's probably brought it up. Tywin has probably said that to him. You waddle like a fucking jackass with the Lannister right. name pinned to you. Like, So it, it immediately Tyrion feels insecure around his father. But – Keeping up that sort of bravado, he says, it was kind of you to go to war for me. And Tywin starts to kind of lay it out. He says, it was you who started this. Your brother Jamie would never have meekly submitted to capture by a woman. And immediately shames him. You know, you're not a man. Right. It's a woman. Your brother would have. Yeah, exactly. Your brother could have. And Tyrion answers again with that self-defense sort of mechanism. That's one way Jamie and I differ. He is taller as well, you may have noticed. But Tywin just doesn't even fucking yeah, give that a response. And he says, uh, the honor of the house was at stake. No one sheds Lannister blood with impunity and gets away with it. Yeah, and then Tyrion was, you know, well... Technically speaking, none of my blood was actually shed. He says, hear me roar first. Oh, he doesn't grin. The pride. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, technically none of my blood was spilled. It was close. However, uh, Jack and what was his, the other, Mar- Mar- Mork. Mork, that's it. Mork were killed. Uh, and Tywin's immediate response is, I assume you'll want more men. <laughs> Don't trouble yourself, father. I've acquired a few of my own. And then he just asks, so tell me, how is your war going? And Kevin is the one who answers. And he says, well enough for now. We were able to destroy most of Sir Edmure's troops that he had scattered along his borders. Which we learned were the forces that were requested from Edmure yeah. to help the small Yeah, folk. Piper and Vance. And yeah. they, because they had been requesting help along the borders because they needed all the help they could, but that was, and we had learned, I forget which chapter it was, that that was weakening Edmure's forces yeah. because he was spreading himself thin. And here it is, we're learning that they... I'm pretty sure it was Catelyn when she was yeah. the year because she got the letter from him. Right, right. And so, yeah, uh, this is when Tywin cuts in and says, your brother has been covering himself in glory. He smashed Lord Piper and Vance the Golden Tooth and met the mass Tully powers under the Walk of River Run. Edmure Tully was taken captive along with many knights and loyal bannermen. Jamie has Lord Blackwood under siege at River Run currently. And so, again, he's delivering this report while shaming Tyrion all yeah, in the same yeah. breath. It's so fucking. It's so brutal to and watch. just calculatedly yeah, yeah, it thought sucks. out. It sucks, because I love Tyrion. And uh, Kevin cuts in again and says, Your father and I have been marching on the other lords' strongholds one by one. With Blackwood gone, Raven Tree gone. Uh, with Blackwood gone at uh, River Run under siege, Raven Tree fell at once. Lady Went yielded Harrenhal for, for want of men to defend it, and Sir Gregor burnt out the Pipers and the Brackens. Yeah, so Tyrion asks, well, that leaves us unopposed then? 
Um, to which Tywin, or no, Kevin says that they still have the Malisters and the Freys. The to Malisters deal with. at Seaguard and Walder Frey is gathering levies at the Twins, but Tywin is not concerned about the late Lord Walder Frey, which seems to be the the feelings around the continent. Yeah, he says no matter. Frey only takes the field when the scent of victory is in the air, and the only scent now is death and ruin. And ruin. So. Malister lacks the strength to fight alone. Once Jamie takes River Run, they will be quick to bend the knee. Unless the Starks and the Aarons come forth to oppose us, this war is as good as won. And I really like this next few parts here, because this is where Tyrion gets hit with some of the news he's missed out on while he's been away. Yeah, Tyrion tells him that he shouldn't worry about the Aarons, because Lice Lice is is fucking insane. But the Starks, on the other hand, Lord Eddard... And he gets cut off. Yeah. Um, Lord Eddard is our hostage. We have him captive in the Red Fort. He'll be the leading no armies from from the dungeons under the Red Keep. Yeah, and so Tywin explains that they have him hostage, but Rob is gathering forces in Moat Caitlin. Now, this kind of part here I feel as though means that Catelyn arrived maybe a day or two before this. Yeah, yeah. Like, at most. It might have been the night before where that and Rob is now mobilizing. Because I would imagine, I would think maybe two days, but if they're just moving the forces from Moat Caitlyn mm-hmm. and they're getting report of that, I would imagine Tywin has pretty quick communications considering. Mm. And so I feel like she had just arrived there and now they're marching, and so this is only a few days apart. Then you also have to remember that Cat had, because while Tyrion took his time getting captured and getting all the troops, Cat had to take the boat from White to White Harbor and then ride up to fucking there. And so I don't think that they have the news that Edmir's been taken yet. Yeah, no. Like that's how recent some of that victory and that stuff is. Yeah, well, yeah, because she's still trying to get to River Run to right. get to him. Like, she knows he's surrounded by enemies, but she doesn't know that unless she got a letter. Like, well, so, and that's what I'm thinking. I yeah. don't think she's had no, time I, even now. I think now it's within a day or two. Where yeah. she doesn't, they, her, for, Rob's forces don't even know that Edmure's captive yet. But to to all this, to Rob amassing a host at Mokalen, Tywin says that no sword is strong until it's been tempered. The Stark boy is a child. No doubt he likes the horns and the sound of the drums beating and his butt banners fluttering in the wind, but in the end it comes down to butcher's work, and I doubt he has the stomach for it. And Tyrion reflects that things had gotten very interesting while yeah. he was away. And then he wonders out loud how Cersei managed to get Robert on board with yeah, what Captain. Yeah, what has our fearless monarch been doing while this butcher's work is being done? Essentially, how'd you get Robert to sit quiet during yeah. all this nonsense that's while happening? Ned gets captured and all that, and yeah. boom, Tywin lays it on him. Robert Baratheon is dead, his father told him. Your nephew reigns in King's Landing. And it says that that did take Tyrion aback. And then he says, oh, you mean my sister's in charge. Mm -hmm. Which is obviously, for the most part, the case, except for the fact that Joffrey's a little fucking masochist who does end up and that losing control. The, the whole realm is going to be a different place with Cersei yeah, yeah. taking the helm. And so Tywin speaks up and says, if you have a mind to make, your, make use of yourself, Mark Piper and Carl Vance are loose in our rear. Uh, raiding our lands across the Red Forks, and Tyrion tisks. Uh, wish I could, Father, 
Wish I could. Well, is it the gall of them? Yeah, no. Fighting it's... back. Normally, I'd be glad to punish such rudeness. But truth is, I have pressing business elsewhere. And Tywin fucking do you? And he mentions that we also have a pair of Ned Stark's afterthoughts harassing my foraging parties. Beric Dondarrion, a young lordling with delusions of valor. valor. He has that fat jape of a priest with him, Thoros of Mir. Think you might deal with them without making too much of a botch of it. Now, once again, with uh, the time frame, Tywin has more information on Beric and Thoros at this point because, as far as Rob knows, Beric and Thoros all died. They, they maybe they lived, maybe. Well, like this is, but that's it. That's the hit. We get the resurrection. Exactly. Here. This is him coming and fighting and, back and right. trying to get revenge and for that. So we get the initial hints that he's resurrecting without actually having. Any yeah, yeah, clue no, because we didn't get a definitive. He's dead, and then so this isn't necessarily a definitive. He's alive right. again. It's a he apparently survived that initial attack. We would think, but he did not. But or. Normally on the first reread, you're probably not even picking that up. That the Beric, the 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 Derek, and Eric, Eric, yeah, like it was some from... probably dumb lore. You're like, oh, whatever. And then this, you're like, oh, Beric Dondarrion is still out there. Yeah, if exactly. if you remembered him at all, because I honestly didn't. I wasn't not paying the first attention re-read, to these absolutely motherfuckers. Not. So Tyrion smiles and gives his usual smart ass response that he'll be happy to spank them along his way. If he happens to cross paths with them. Yeah, but then he says that he will need 3,000 swords, pikes, spears, breastplates, helms, fucking axes, swords, daggers. When all of a sudden, the door fucking slams open. And the captain of the guards out there comes launching through it. Yeah, Kevin jumps up, uh, swearing, and Shaga steps in and, holding the man's sword, snaps it over his knee. Fucking snaps it, yo. And chucks the pieces to the ground, lumbering into the common room. And the other clansmen follow him in, Bronn with them, who kind of just shrugs at Tyrion. Did my best. What are you going to (laughs) do? Did what I could. And so Tywin asks, who might you be? Cool as snow. Cool. Like I imagine his like entire demeanor he hasn't never changed. Yeah, like I he's agree. just fucking sitting there now, like just his eyes move to them as they came in. That's about it. And Tyrion is like, Oh, they followed they followed me home, father. Please can I keep them? Please Which is fucking funny. Kevin is pissed. Yeah, he By is. what right do you savages intrude our counsels? And the the clansmen go off on him. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you. Khan answers, we are free men. Free men, by rights, sit on all war councils. And so Chella asks, which one of you is the Lion Lord? And Kevin's <laughs> hand goes to his hilt, but Pi- Tywin stays him with two fingers on his wrist. Two con- See, and that's I like how he probably just gently reached over and placed those two fingers there. It wasn't like this quick response or this, like, well, they were having action. a nail together, so I imagine they were almost as close as we are, but just with, like, Tywin on the end of the table right. and Kevin next to him. And so when Kevin stood up, I imagine he, like, reached and is almost right there, and mm-hmm. Tywin literally just had to reach up and just, like... But that's it. Yeah. Just how subtle of a movement the it calmest, takes from him. Yeah. And so Ty- uh, Tywin seems completely unbothered, and he asks Tyrion, where are your courtesies? You haven't introduced our welcome yeah, guests. Yeah. 
and so Tyrion goes through and the same guys that we named as we yeah, came down the hill he lists through the list. makes a big show of it and then turns and introduces Tywin in the most formal way we've seen yet which even them. seems to be some sort of like sense of pride from Tyrion yeah, like yeah. here is my lordly father because Tywin definitely seems to like in my head he like puffs up because it says after Ty- Tyrion gives this long winded introduction you know Lord of Casterly Rock Warden of the West future and past hand of the king yada 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 it says Tywin Rose dignified and correct like yeah I like just the fact that this like even though it's someone he thinks so little of is giving him his proper titles exactly. to these savages because you know Tywin's absolutely thinking they're savages he just is thinking, how can I use exactly. these savages that my he, son has acquired? That's what he has that Kevin doesn't. Yeah. Is that, how can I capitalize on this Yeah, mentality? yeah, yeah. Clearly, they are following Tyrion around, so let me suss out what that's right. about and see where we go from what there. What I can do with it. And he, I put Tywin acting badass because of his raising up dignified yeah. and correct. He asks... Why are you here? Yeah, even in the West, we know of the prowess of the clansmen of Which, the mountains of the moon. We, without ever realizing it, immediately we see so much of Tywin in Tyrion because mm-hmm. this is exactly what he this did. This is to what the Tyrion clansmen, did, yeah, in the woods, as well as to Catelyn's guards. This is just Tywin having the actual like authority to just do it and say right. let me do this for you right now right. Well, I'll arm you and equip you he also you. introduced Bronn yeah. to Tywin when he introduced the clansmen and he had said that this is Bronn the sellsword nothing in particular he's already switched sides two times like blunt and up front and yet he still has him following him yeah. listening to his command and so Tywin can see like and for Tywin to do the exact same manipulations and to play yeah. off their that you know well there's a line pride. later i think it's in feast where i think it's Gemma lannister says Gemma lannister that badass. you know jamie as much as everyone says it Tyrion is your father's true son right like, he's the one who takes after him the most he's the one i see the most of tywin in is and it's because of that cunning the way he immediately assesses people for what they want what does this person want, and how can I use that? And that's what Tywin's doing here. Exactly. Why are you here escorting my son? What 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 are you here for? And so Tyrion's about to fill him in on the whole nonsense, but a messenger quickly bursts in and tells them that the Stark host is moving down the causeway. And it says, Tywin Lannister did not smile. Lord Tywin Lannister never smiled. But Tyrion learned how to read his father's pleasure, and it was there on his face and Tywin says so the wolfling is leaving his den to play among the lions yeah this is what Tywin thinks is exactly what he wants to happen a young rash Rob Stark rushing in but Rob is actually being intelligent yeah that's the cool thing is we know the true plan here now mm-hmm. and full spoiler we know the outcome as well but Tywin is just expecting Rob to either come and clash with him or if it takes too long, loses nerve and retreat. Mm. When really Rob knows that that's what he's expecting, and so he's split his forces and he's going to go sneak off to the Whispering Wood. Well, I think that's river. also harking back to what you said earlier—the lack of informa- information. Tywin, I don't think, knows that Rob and Catelyn don't know Edmure's captured yet, so they're rushing to rescue exactly, him. Exactly to help to give him reinforcements. Him. Yeah, and so they don't know that that's already done, and that might change their plans if they already have him. They may have they kept might their have gone somewhere else, but it works in their favor. But I think that's just where it is. Is 
George is kind of telling us that there's there's people acting on not all the information they have to go on. Whispering Wood ended up working in Rob Stark's favor, but then later there's a lot of information he goes on and we get the fucking Red Wedding. So it's right. just this this game is always being played and people like Tywin Lannister are just gods at playing. Yeah, so Tywin issues some commands, yeah, tells, tells them to... Tell Sir Adam to fall back, to not engage the Stark hosts, harass their flanks instead and draw them further south. And so he leaves... Kevin suggests staying and letting the Northerners break themselves on them here. Which is where he explains what I had mentioned, where he doesn't want Rob to get too close, see the forces, and then retreat because they're coming too far south. Yeah. So he wants to meet them as soon as he can. uh, The sooner Stark is broken, the sooner I can deal with Stannis Baratheon. Send word to Jaime. I'm marching against Rob Stark. And Tyrion watched in grim fascination, and that right there yes. is it. He's he's sort of, he idolizes Tywin as much as they despise each yes. other. He, he idolizes definitely. him, and and it's this he learns from him. And so yeah, Tywin turns to the clansmen and says, "It said your clansmen are warriors without fear. Ride with me against my enemies, and you'll have all my son promised you and more." And Chella, I think, asks, we have the son's word, why do we need the father's? And Tywin, again, astute as fuck, just says, I said nothing of need. I was offering a courtesy, nothing more. You are more than welcome to not fight. And once again, and and Tyrion even thinks, oh, very clever, that he says the the wintermen, uh, what is it they call them, the winterlands... The men of the Winterlands are made of iron and ice, and even my boldest knights fear to face them. Yeah, Tyrion sees what he did there. He's challenging that. He's, yeah. That fear of what may happen if if you fight them. You're essentially calling them cowards or cravens and getting their whole masculinity, testosterone thing going where, no, we don't fear anything. We clansmen, we fight. And so... Of course, Timmet, son of Timmet, speaks up and says, The burned men fear nothing. Timmet, son of Timmet, will ride with the lions. And Khan speaks up saying he'll join them as well, as will Shaga. And Chella says that we will ride with you, Lion Lord. But only if your half-man's son goes with us. He bought his breath with promises. Until we hold the steel he pledged us, his life is ours. And, yeah, he turns and looks... Tyr- Tywin turns his gold-flecked eyes at Tywin. Tyrion, their fucking names get me, man. They're all mixing me up. Tywin looks at Tyrion, and Tyrion says, Oh, joy. <laughs> okay? The end. Fuck. We got there. All right. There's a tough finish line to cross. A very fun chapter. Uh, technically a very short chapter. I I mean, like, let's cut the bullshit. I love my boy Tyrion, but the best part of that introduction, that whole chapter is the introduction of Tywin fucking Lannister. Yeah, it's, that's this chapter's point. His presence is so looming throughout this book, and I just think it's brilliant that we get him toward the end here, because now he's really going to start becoming a thing for the next book. Yeah, yeah. Two books where we're going to learn that Cersei is more of just kind of a petty bitch. Tywin is a fucking master manipulator, game player, war commander, fucking, he can pretty much do it all, and he's a much scarier threat than Cersei Lannister, Cersei Lannister which in, then in turn goes to say that Ty, Tyrion might end up becoming even more of someone, a villain. Someone to, 
fucking fear after idolizing his father. Right. Anyway. anyway, with that said, you got an inductee? Yeah, so it's going to be for Kevin Lannister. Oh, you stole mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, as soon as there was people coming in, like, you assume that they're coming to attack Tywin. Mm. Motherfucker was up and ready to protect his brother. Mm-hmm. He's right there in the command. He's, t- I mean, he was a little harsh towards the, the Yeah, he's a little men. ignorant. He's got um, that lordly. But that's always kind of something that's endearing to me. That's why I like Sir Creighton Longbow. Um, they're just these, he's the, you know, the, the heavier brother that's just there, you know, doing what he can to help, and he just wants to live his best it's life. getting a little close to home here. You know, don't call me heavy. Oh, sorry. I heard, I saw that subtle, I, so you get to pick a Great. new one. Now I'm going to get called out by our yeah, listeners for being mean to you again. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm mean to him. You know? Uh, I know right? Anyway, uh, no, uh, I, I'll still induct Kevin, but my reasoning was different, and okay. that's because we are full spoiler reread. What uh, happens to him at the end of Dance? The he end of dance. essentially... We are told that Kevin Lannister is sort of a good person who's going to help hold the realm and stitch the realm back together by the events of Dance that have ripped everything apart, and that's why he needs to die. And so Uh he gets fucking killed at the end of Dance because he's a good person who would have put the realm in a good place, and they need Cersei to fuck everything up, and so... We we get a little of his ignorance here, but we do get that loyalty for yeah, his brother exactly. and and sort of his strategic. He knows his way around war and Absolutely. what he's doing. You know, he he didn't fight Tywin on it. He just offered he, an additional plan. He's Lancel's father. He's Lancel's father. So for everyone who doesn't, know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Squires there. The, Which the we get a boy. lot more of that guy. And so time. yeah, those uh, Kevin Lancer was both of our inductee for this Good one. one. Obviously, cause so we did get an inductee. Uh, hopefully, the not so silent sisters are still saying safe down there with the storm. But we did get an inductee from France, from Julian. What up, Julian? As always, thank you for writing in. So Julian said, uh, reread that short but interesting chapter. He's not on our book, so he's nah. coming back for these, which we appreciate. All hail to the Lannister wit. I'm sure someone will pick Tywin as an inductee. We basically just dedicated the whole chapter yeah, to him. Yeah, true so, that. But w- that's why. Um, and Tyrion would deserve to be the inductee of every chapter he's been in for now. I agree. Good point. Julian, my boy Yet, Tyrion. Uh, Julian's going to take a different route. I'm going to choose Timot. Son of Timot. Why? Read again. Every time he's mentioned or he's talking is an epic thing. <laughs> Yo, I completely agree. That's why I wanted to only give his description with the Klansman at the beginning because he was the one that really jumped out of all of them just for being this crazy, badass motherfucker. See, yeah, no, I know, I agree with both of you because everyone seems to like Shaga the most. And, like, Shaga's line gets boring to me. He's going to feed up, cut off your manhood and feed it to the right. ghost. Tyrion like, reads that one. Uh, that, that, that's good. Like, that's a good line. That's Shaga totally. But Timmit is more interesting than yeah. He jabbed out his own fucking eye. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this dude's going to rip your fucking face off. That's it. And, like, say something grizzled and so badass that you're kind of like, cool, I died to this dude. Yeah. Like, that's and that's cool. it. Uh, Julian uh, finishes off with, gotta love this scary dude, Valor Deharius. 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 Yeah, scary dude, Valor Deharius. I, I don't know. Fucking sue me. Valor Deharius, are you Aquarius? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ on a cross. Anyway, those were our thoughts, inductees, and Julian's inductee from France. Thank you so much for writing in. So we've got a pretty tight schedule with recording, guys. We're going to try and be pumping out some at a quick pace, so we will be recording a lot, like, 
Our plan is like 10 chapters in this upcoming week. So if you have to, if you wanted to get any inductees, if you got to bulk them, shotgun them at us. Just fucking boom, boom, boom. Like five chapters at a time. It'll be sweet. Write to us. You can get a hold of us at all the normal places. Our email is withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at mannerswithout. Zach is on Twitter at carstark92. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash brotherhoodpodcast. Instagram, same as my Twitter. That's fucking right. Same as my Twitter, at mannerswithout. And we are on Patreon with currently... Two of the sample chapter episodes up there. Two. Mercy and Theon. Patreon.com slash without manners. We have multiple tiers there, guys. Any of the levels, I believe, gets you the sample chapters. We have multiple tiers there, guys. Multiple tiers there, guys. Multiple tiers. Just Just get on those tiers. Get on the tiers. Level up those tiers. Next episode, we're going to be reading Sansa 5, and Sansa is going to be... Joining Joffrey's first court session as king and seeing some proclamations made. Yeah. And then after that, ladies and gentlemen, drumroll fucking please. We've got Eddard 15, which is Ned Stark's last chapter with us. Nearly headless Ned. As we go on, we remember Valador Harris. Peace! Well, the one I'm talking about is PodCoin, where you can listen and earn great rewards. I'm pretty sure we have a code for that one. We do. If you are a new user of PodCoin, you can type in Brotherhood and get 300 coins to spend on fucking cool stuff. Sweet. Like giving to charity or gift cards? Yeah, gift cards to like Starbucks and Amazon and all sorts of other places. So if you're hearing this, why haven't you already downloaded PodCoin and started listening to Brotherhood? Listen to us there. And earn some coins. Do it. Yeah. Yeah.